Welcome back to the best podcast for Gamecock fans, Next Gen Gamecocks. This is a podcast we're going to give light to all Gamecocks athletics. In today's show, we will talk about the struggles for the men's basketball team continuing. Then, we look at how the women prepare for a tough stretch of games. Finally, we look at a Gamecock team heading to a national tournament. Now Gamecock fans, grab a towel because a storm is brewing. You're listening to Next Gen Gamecocks. Yes, sir. Welcome back, Gamecock fans, to another episode of Next Gen Gamecocks. As always, I am your host, Trotter Scarce, and I am super excited to bring you guys uh, the show today. As always, um, lots of exciting content to cover, lots of exciting things to talk about. So let's dive right in. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but I record this on Tuesday night, so I actually just got home from the basketball game, and oh boy, oh boy, it is a dumpster fire in Colonial Life every time we go. I, I don't know why I expect it to change, but every time I go in and I'm like, yeah, like this is going to be the game. This is going to be the game. Like We're finally playing Mississippi State. They're not very good, right? Like We, we can beat them. Let's, we're going to do it today, and then we get boat raced. So I I gotta stop. Maybe if I go in and I think that we're gonna get boat raced, maybe we'll like play well. Maybe I'll, I'll try that next time I go. Um, it won't be this weekend because I, I've got better things I want to do with my Saturday, and I'm sure you do too. Um, but let's talk about it. USC just lost to Mississippi State by a final score of 66 to 51, and you know I, I think that it got out of hand quickly and something. That I don't think the score necessarily shows how close the game was. For most of the game, it was a 10-point or less game. Um, finally, towards the probably the back half of the second half, Mississippi State started to pull away. And it was it's the same tale. I, I feel like every time we get on the podcast, we say the same things. It's turnover problems, it's rebounding problems, and it's no consistent offense. If, if you look at the stats, um, we out – they, well, I guess – we out turnovered them, but it's not a good thing if if we're talking about it literally. Uh, Sixteen to eighteen, so just another thing where sloppy offense and it's just stupid things like it's bad passes or it's terrible fouls that have no reason to be made. And, and you know, it, it's Michi Johnson driving to the hoop, and for the same some reason, every time he goes to the hoop, he thinks that the guy's gonna crash on him and he can pass it to Josh Gray or Bozeman Verdon. And, well, you know, it works one time, and then the next four times you do it, they know exactly what you're going to do, and they pick it off every time. So, I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I, I just don't understand basketball as well as I think I do, um, but I, I know I do. And, and you know, I, I at least played it enough in high school to know that when something isn't working, you shouldn't do it again and again. There's at least that. So, you know, it's, gosh, I mean, it's it's a dumpster fire. It's bad. Well. We'll talk about some more numbers here. We didn't shoot bad from three, right? We went eight for 24. We shot 33% from behind the arc. So that's honestly like that's not a terrible day shooting the ball. And we had some pretty crazy shots uh, fall late in the shot clock, especially in the second half where it looked like maybe we were going to get back into the game. But ultimately, um, it was all for naught. 
But I think a stat that is more concerning, for me at least, is the free throw problems. We shot 50% today, and a guy that, um, you know, two guys missed. First off, that's the first problem, is that we didn't get enough trips to the foul line. But then when we did, it, it was just poor execution. Like, Gigi Jackson went four for seven. We got to get, we got to hit those, right? Uh, Hayden Brown, a guy who's experienced, he's a senior, went one for five. And then Michi Johnson went two for two. So you went seven for 14 from, from the free throw line. I mean, that's seven points on the board, right? Like that's in, in pivotal moments because we didn't have very many free throws in, in dumpster time where, you know, we just kind of left points out there. I think all the ones we had with maybe the exception of one went in. And, and so, you know, that's seven points that keep you in a game. I mean, at a pivotal point where I think that there is a potential for the game to stay close and, and stay close longer. You know, you look at the end of the first half, especially when Mississippi State goes on that um, that little run to end it. You know, it, I felt really good about it. We were up at one point. We finally led a game at home. And, you know, in the last two minutes of the game, you let them go on a little run. You go down by six going into halftime, and they they came out of the second half, and it was a lot of the same. But it was it was just you know, eventually they scored more than we did, and then that's when we got kind of rushed on offense, and that's when we really started to turn the ball over and chuck up bad shots, and um, you know, it, and it's all over the floor. It's not like we can point to one guy and say, well, don't play this guy. Well, I mean, all of them do it. Even Gigi Jackson does it because he has to try and do too much. Um, but speaking of guys, Chico Carter didn't get to play very much. I think he had like 10 minutes or so. Um, and, and I didn't even really notice it until halftime that he hadn't played much in the first half. But he comes out of the locker room at halftime and he's got tape and they're spraying uh, numbing spray on his knee and he's got a compression sleeve on. And I was like, oh, like, I, I guess that, yeah, Jacoby Wright did play a lot more than I expected him to. So, you know, Jacoby Wright's a good player. He put up seven points. He had a lot of minutes. He's he's not a bad um, bad basketball player by any standard, but he's not your your consistent Chico Carter kind of guy. He, he's not the experienced vet like we've seen Chico Carter be for this team. And and we really could have used Chico Carter out there today. We really could have used his, his offense, especially from three. And, you know, Shoulda, coulda, woulda. The the woes continue. The trend continues to just plummet. You know, you could see at one point on pretty much everybody's faces, we get. I think we had pulled it back to at least ten, maybe, and we get a steal, and we chuck it down the court to Gigi, and Gigi, we're all running down the court, and Gigi squares the ball to Josh Gray, and it, uh, it just went out of bounds, and it was just like, yep, all right. You know that that's that's what we can expect now, and, and it wasn't something to where anybody was surprised. It was just normal, and I think that that's the problem with this men's basketball team is that they just can't catch a break. They can't get anything to go their way. Um, I, I think they used all of their luck against Kentucky. You know, it, it's a fun win that we're going to be able to talk about for a while because it's looking right now like it's going to be the only win that we're going to talk about for a while. Um, you know, if you're USC, you're coming into this last month in February here, and you got Vanderbilt at home, and that's about it. That's about the only game. And you got Georgia at home to end the year in March. 
but you know you, you've got to go to Missouri, a good Missouri team. You got to go to Ole Miss, a team that beat you earlier in the year. You host an Arkansas team that was one of the best teams in the country at the beginning of the year. Um, you go to LSU. You host a number four Alabama team. You've got to go to Tennessee again. You got to go to Mississippi State. So you know, I mean, these are gosh, these are some tough teams. These are some some bad matchups that we've seen. Um, you know, the good thing is we do play Vanderbilt at home. We do play Georgia at home. So maybe we can get a win in there somewhere. But you look at the schedule and you look at the remaining schedule and how we've played so far, you just, I mean, I don't see it getting any better for um, South Carolina and, and Lamont Paris's side. And I think that this is something where, listen, we just got to scrap this year. And we just got to get through this year. And I think that we'll start to see upside. And, you know, I, I know that that's not necessarily saying a lot because – I mean, this team is bad. <laughs> it really is. And I, I don't like throwing out that term, bad. I think that it, it has a very negative connotation to it. But at, at this point, what I mean, what what else can you say? They're, this team is a bad basketball team. They're not very good. There's almost no hope for them going forward. And I think that this is something now where we just need to get through it. And, and we need to just suck it up and and take this one on the chin and say, all right, listen, fine, whatever. Whatever you you can have it. We used all of our luck against Kentucky on the road. We our, our football team took all of our luck against Tennessee and Clemson. So maybe we used all the luck for this year. But um, you know, we just gotta get through this, guys. We just gotta put our head down and 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 pretend it's not happening. And and if we do want to pretend it's happening, like I do, where I keep keep watching and keep tuning in and covering it for some reason. We'll, uh, I'll make sure you guys at least know what's going on. So if you want to completely check out, don't blame you. There's, you're not going to miss anything. Maybe we win another game. Maybe we don't. I wouldn't be shocked either way, to be really honest. Um, but enough with the doom and the gloom. Let's move on to some winning. Um, women's basketball, man, they are killing it. They are 21-0, and I don't know that anybody is going to stop them. But I say that tentatively because... South Carolina's got a really tough stretch of games coming up. If you look at some of these games from top to bottom, they have eight games remaining. They host Kentucky before traveling to number five UConn, before they continue that road trip with going down to Auburn, before they host the only other undefeated team in the country, the number three ranked LSU Tigers. They host Florida as well before going to Ole Miss and Tennessee, and then they host Georgia on that, that last Sunday in February to round out the regular season. So it, it's a tough end of the year for sure. You look at uh, at a game, especially like on the road at UConn, I think that that's probably going to be your toughest game just because you've got to go all the way up to UConn. You've got to play a really, really good UConn team. And, you know, you, you got to find a way to get a win. And, and so I think that Don Staley's side is not scared of anybody. They've, they've proven that they're they're one of the best teams in the country for a reason, and I think that that continues. I don't see the girls dropping any games. You know, you could look at that LSU game as well as as potentially being that kind of snapping point, but I just don't. I don't see it happening. Happening. I think this team is too good from top to bottom. They shoot the three ball really well. They're very, very fast. They're very athletic. They're very physical. Obviously, you've got Aaliyah Boston down low, who's probably one of the, probably if not the best. Um, Gamecock women's basketball player of all time, which is saying a lot because you do have a girl named uh, Ajaya Wilson who was uh, an, an alumnus from this program who's now dominating the WNBA. So, you know, there's a lot to look forward to for this team. And for as bad as the men's basketball team is, as good 
this team makes up for it with being as good as they are. So, you know, they're, they're very excited. Had a, I had an opportunity to talk to a girl earlier today, and I asked her if they were going to keep winning, and she smiled and nodded her head and said, don't you worry about it, sweetheart. And so I'm not going to worry about it, sweetheart. So I don't think you guys should either. Um, but like I said, tough end of the year, but nothing that Don Staley and this side isn't used to. It's nothing that they can't handle, and I do believe they're going to finish out February undefeated. I sure hope they do, and I think they're going to go into uh, tournament play undefeated and, and with a chip on their shoulder to prove to the rest of the country that they aren't a f- they aren't a flop. They aren't a, aren't a hoax. They are really the best team in the country, and I think they're going to go prove it to a lot of people here pretty soon. With that being done, don't go anywhere. We are going to get into men's and women's tennis next. Like I mentioned in the opening, we have a men's tennis team that qualified for the ITA National Indoor Championships uh, this past weekend. They beat North Carolina State 4 to nothing. Um, to clinch a spot in the indoor national championships that is february the 17th through the 20th so some big exciting stuff going on there like i said before they are the ninth ranked team in the country they're a very 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 good team they've got the number one um doubles companionship in the country according to ita uh, which is the international tennis association for those of you who don't know um so they kind of run world tennis they want to run college tennis and so some big exciting news coming there. Uh, the, that is, again, on February the 17th through the 20th. So we will be rooting those boys on as they go out down to uh, Chicago, actually. They're going to Chicago to compete there. Um, I, I think right now they are one of five SEC schools going. So just to kind of give you some some clarity, they, that it is a very competitive league, apparently. I didn't know that. But listen, I'm learning here along with you guys. Um, moving, staying on the tennis, but going to the other side, the women beat Northwestern 4-2 um, this past weekend. Unfortunately, they followed that up with a loss to UVA 1-4. to um, I've got some rivalry news. Both the men and the women play Clemson this upcoming weekend as well. So uh, some exciting things going on there. Now, I put this to last because I wanted to make y'all wait because I think that this is probably going to be the most impactful segment for a lot of you. Um, and that is the fact that Nick Harbour commits today, right? Once this podcast drops on Wednesday morning, he will be committing today. So there's a very good chance that a lot of you are, are listening to this after the fact that he's already committed. And here's what I'm going to say about it. I think he's known for a while where he wants to go. Whether that's South Carolina or whether it's not South Carolina, we're going to have to wait and see. But when you think of a guy like Nick Harbour, he's a guy that could really change the depth chart a lot. You know, we've brought in so many good guys on the offensive front uh, as far as kind of, you know, some some bigger dudes to to solidify that offensive line. We've brought in a couple guys to to kind of fill in some spots that we are missing. You look at a couple guys across. Um, the classes that are really going to be difference makers. But we've got a guy here in Nicholas Harbour who I think could be the difference, right? He's getting comparisons um, to the guys like Kyle Pitts, who, um, if you don't know, led Florida a while back. He's now at the Falcons. He's kind of underperformed there, but he's still a very, very, very good pass-catching tight end. Um, Harbour is is unbelievable. He is just a -a once-in-a-generation type talent. He is unbelievably fast. He runs track along with 
um, playing football. So, you know, another school that's kind of really stepped in to recruit Harbor is Oregon. And if you don't know, Oregon's got one of the best track and field um, programs in the country. You know, you've got all that Nike money, and Nike uses a lot of their facilities out there in Oregon uh, to host their um, track and field events from from across, um, not the Olympics, but, you know, Olympic-like uh, competitions go there, and they, they do a lot of their competitions out there in Oregon. So they've got this big, huge, nice stadium for their track and field events. And so, you know, I think that something like that, I'm not saying that that's going to be the end-all, be-all for Harbor. I don't necessarily think that he's planning on running in the Olympics, and so I don't necessarily think that, you know, he's going to pick a certain school because its track and field is better than another school's. But it's definitely something he's going to be looking at, and it's definitely something that he's going to, you know, if it comes down to, well, I either want to go to South Carolina or Oregon, and he can't separate them, then something like Oregon's track and field uh, um, program might be the difference maker. It might be something that the Gamecocks need to worry about. However, um, you know, obviously people love the, um, oh my gosh, the conversation I just had on on Twitter. They loved to tweet that. I, I tweeted it out a little bit ago. I think it was on the main podcast where I was like, man, I I wish I could do that, right? Like I wish I, I had the luxury of doing that. I, I don't because you know, whether sources text people or not, and then they just tweet about it or, or not is kind of up for debate, but Lord knows I ain't got no sources right now. So maybe somebody out there who's listening can be my source. That'd be kind of fun. We can do the, oh my gosh, the conversation I just had with a source right now, or the the three eyeball emojis with sources saying, <laughs> like, I think it's so weird that people say that. So, you know, of course, that's been all over Gamecock Twitter. It's been all over every Twitter. If you go and you look at, like, Oregon and Michigan and especially Maryland, good Lord, Maryland Twitter is nuts. I, I encourage you to stay as far away from Maryland Twitter as you can. I kind of got lost in Maryland Twitter the other day because I was, I was interested to see what they thought Nick was going to do because he is from Maryland. And so, like I said before, I think that Harbor might have been waiting to see exactly what Maryland could throw his way. Um, I don't think he's going to go to Maryland. I think he, he'll go to either Oregon or, or South Carolina. And I, right now, obviously, I don't know the kid at all. I've never talked to him. I'll probably never will. But if I had to guess, he's probably leaning South Carolina. You know, I think that the the recruiting that the guys here on campus are doing is important, right? I, I've said before on the show that you want to play with guys who want to play with you. And so if you're Harbor, and obviously, you know, he's a five-star guy, he's going to, he's going to, any guy anywhere is going to want to play with him. And, and that's not up for debate. But when you've got guys actively pursuing you on Twitter and on Instagram, tweeting your name, tagging you in posts, saying, hey, listen, bro, come home, come home, come home. I mean, Spencer Rattler himself took to Twitter earlier today and responded to um, Harbor tweeting out that he was going to commit and, and said, come on home, like, be great here or something like that. And, and I think that that's the difference. I, I really do. And, you know, by the time you listen to this podcast, I could look like an idiot because he could pick Oregon or, or Michigan or heck, he could even pick Maryland. But I really do think that the, the, the job that the football players here are doing and I think the job that Shane Beamer is doing is going to be enough. It's going to be a difference. And, and if I had to put money on it, if I was a betting man, I would probably pick that he's going to be in the Garnet in the Black next year. I think that 
it's just there's too much to offer here that that nobody else can. I mean, you get to play in the SEC. You get to play in front of the best fan base in the country. You get to play for a team that's got more hype around it right now than anybody in the country. And we haven't done anything, <laughs> right? Like, we were just – we just went from being terrible to, like, mediocre to, like, okay, like, they, they're actually kind of good. And we've got more hype around us than ever. And a lot of the credit is to the players. A lot of the credit is to the coaching staff. But I think a lot of the credit needs to go to Josh King and his staff for creating this kind of social media platform as well. Um, you know, uh, if you haven't seen the the latest video they posted not too long ago about um, it's like a video tribute almost six, eight minutes long, I think. So it's pretty long, but it goes from, you know, almost like game to game. Um from these last two years with Beamer at the helm and just kind of talking about how they're building the foundation, building the foundation. Like we've got to get this thing turned around and and this is how we're going to do it. It's a really, really cool watch. It's a, it's unbelievable that the the production team here doesn't miss and, and they've done it again. It's a really, really cool watch. I encourage you to go look at it. It's on um, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. It's all over the place. All you got to do is find it on Gamecocks football page and, and it's there. And I think that, you know, stuff like that matters to recruits. To to some people, it's like, oh, well, like, I mean, it's just a video. But to those guys who are playing, like, to me, if it were me, it would be the coolest thing ever. I got posted one time on my college, uh, my college soccer team. I got posted one time on the Instagram. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. It wasn't even, like, a good picture of me. It, I was, but it was me, and, and I was on the Instagram page, and so it was awesome and cool. And so for those guys to you know, have these kind of videos highlighting their success, highlighting how awesome it is to play in the stadium and and be on the field, be on that team. I mean, that's got to be so cool. It's got to be really, really awesome. You know, us as fans, we don't, we don't really understand it as much as they do. We like to think we do. And some of us do, some of us really do kind of comprehend it, but you just, you, you can't get it until you've experienced it. And, you know, I think that that's going to be important for Harbor. I think that that is going to be the turning point between the social media aspect, the fan aspect, the opportunity aspect of playing in the SEC, playing against big-time competition week in and week out. And then lastly, being on a team with a bunch of guys who love each other, who want him to be there. And I think a team that's headed in the right direction, and I think he would be um, foolish to not want to be a part of this. But like I said, he's going to commit on Wednesday. I'm not sure when on Wednesday. Um, but like I said, by the time you listen to this, there's a pretty good possibility he's already committed. So um, if I'm wrong, just you know, leave it alone. I'll probably be pretty frustrated I was wrong too. So, um, But listen, it, whatever happens, I encourage you guys to leave well enough alone. All right, He's a kid at the end of the day. There's no need to take to Twitter and to be mean and and harsh and, you know, even threaten the kid. I mean, he's 18 years old. There's no – it's not that deep, all right? Uh, You see that a lot on on Twitter and Instagram and stuff and social media where fans will take and, like, go at a kid. Like, it doesn't – stop. It doesn't matter that much, all right? At the end of the day, it's just college football. And I know that that's really important right here, and I care a lot too. Don't get me wrong. I care a lot more than a lot of people do. But don't go after a kid. He's a kid, right? He's 18 years old. So if he commits, awesome, great, let's celebrate. And if we, if he doesn't, congratulate him on, on wherever he goes and leave him alone, all right? Leave well enough alone. Uh, I do believe the saying is all we got is all we need. So 
listen, whether he comes or whether he doesn't, this has still been an unbelievable class for Shane Beamer and company. I, I, they're going to be very, very excited regardless. And if he comes, it's just the cherry on top, and you 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 can't be but you can't help but be very very excited. So um, that is going to do it for the show today. Make sure you go follow us on Twitter. I fixed it. I did. It's not that weird G in the middle. It's NXT Gen Gamecocks. Just to remind you, that is on Twitter at NXT Gen Gamecocks. So we we did the next without the E because like I said, next gen Gamecocks is just one letter too many on Twitter. It's a real shame because it's just such a pain. But just to remind you guys one more time in case you missed it, it's on Twitter at NXT Gen Gamecocks. So that's a little bit less confusing. It's a little bit easier for me to say because that was confusing. So hopefully that will kind of clear up any kind of uh, confusion. And while you're on Twitter, make sure you go follow our parent podcast at next underscore gen underscore A-T-H. Once again, that is at next underscore gen underscore A-T-H. Enjoy your rest of the week. Go Gamecocks, and I will talk to you guys next week.